What's happening, runners? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracks That Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things running, the highs, the lows, the ugly bits, and of course, everything in between. My name is Lloyd. I'll be your host for today's episode. And today I'm sitting down and talking with British duathlete and 1500-meter specialist, Georgia Bell. Now on today's show, we sit down with Georgia and we run through everything from her early success in the sport and progressing to a scholarship in the United States, her history of injuries and overcoming setback, why running less miles and training in different ways is the key to her improvement, the balance of a corporate career and her training, and of course her coaching setup with Trevor Painter. Now if you do want to follow along with what we're doing at Trackster and this podcast, please do head over to Instagram and drop us a follow, and you can also check out the website trackster.com, that's where we put all of our longer form content from our YouTube channel, and finally if you'd like to support the show, please do leave us a review which is now available on all platforms. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Georgia Bell. Welcome to the show, Georgia Bell. Georgia, how are we today? Good afternoon. I'm good, thank you, Lloyd. Thanks for having me. No, I'm absolutely buzzing to have you on. You are one of the guests that I've been wanting to speak to for a little while. Um, that doesn't sound creepy at all, does it? I have like a <laughs> list. Of, I have a list of people that it's such a random list of people, but you are on that list, and uh, and I'm keen to delve in to know a little bit more about yourself and obviously chat chat some running as well, but. What's yeah, new with you? What's more, going on? Um, I must be on the more random side for you because I know you get no <laughs> some some serious athletes. But no, I'm I'm very happy to be on. Yeah, what's new with me? I guess um, over the past couple of years, got back into to running, and so just living the dream, doing the nine to five, trying to fit running around it and racing and um over the past couple of years also added some cycling into it so um yeah a bit of a mix really we like nine to fivers we i've had a i had kate axford on last week she's still nine to five um but but yeah my list of my list of guests that i would like to talk to i want to try and mix it up and talk to not just Mm -hmm. really fast runners which obviously you fall into that realm but just just a bit of everything really because running Running is such a beautiful world of uh, different types of people. But yeah. uh, where are you in the world right now? Are you are you calling in from home? Yes, I'm calling in from London. So I live in South London. In awesome. Clapham. Oh, now Clapham. Lovely. I've seen many a meme on TikTok about people that live in Clapham. I don't know whether they're true. You'll have to tell I me. know. I feel like I'm um, the opposite of most people that live in Clapham. Like I live in an area where it's all yummy mummies and people walking their dogs but I've never been to like the big Clapham club so I think I get like the bad rep without having any experience <laughs> of the fun <laughs> but no, it's good place to live. I'm quite close to some of the running networks which I'm sure we'll get into but Battersea is a great hub for running um and it's ideal it's like a two mile run from my house straight to the track so perfect warm-up and warm-down so for anyone who is who isn't aware of who you are, I ask all of our guests to introduce themselves in your own words. Okay, great. So I am a, I probably describe myself as a, began as a runner um, and had a bit of success when I was younger, um, had on and off years and then have got back into it recently. So I describe myself as a bit of a renaissance runner because I'm running faster now than I did when I was like in my young 20s. Um, But I also do a little bit of cycling. So um, have competed in duathlon. So if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's cutting out the swimming of triathlon because that's the worst. And (laughs) 
was doing a run, a cycle and a run. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I do. I did. I think I saw on socials, you did do a triathlon though. Am I right? I did. And I absolutely hated it. Um, annoyingly, I've, well, it's good and bad, but I've qualified for the age group event for Team GB next year in Malaga, which is great, but also means that I was kind of hoping if I didn't qualify, then I could park the triathlon forever. And <laughs> was now. and was the swimming as bad as you expected? Yes. Or worse? Yes, it was worse. It was in like a horrible river in... Um, yeah, see, Bedford. that's not about... I'm not about that life, public water. No. Nah. No. Like, it's different. If, if triathlons were always... Like, you can see some of the races that you know, Beth Potter and GTB do, and they're swimming in seas in, like, Corsica. Like, that looks really nice. But when it's in a river in middle of England and you're getting weeds and God knows what else to the face, it's just not It's just not a great way it's to spend a day. Yeah, it's not it. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, we're going to talk about your um, your running career, if you like. But take me back to the start. Where did, where did sport begin for you? Was it always athletics or did you try other sports? Uh, yes. Then. Yeah. So it was always a bit of a sporty kid, but running was definitely the one that stuck. Um, it pretty much just started with sports day, kind of doing well. One of the parents said to my mum, you should get her down to the track and then went into kind of club league. So started with my local club at Ealing Southport, Middlesex, the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sessions, cross country races, and then pretty much just did that up to being a rebellious teenager, I guess. Um, so I was always a runner. And yeah, how definitely that's kind of where I think my identity in the sport is with running. And at which point during those early years were you like, this is this is the thing for me. This is what I want to do. Uh, I want to go to the Olympics. You know, we all go through that. Um, when when was, it, was it straight away you was hooked or did it take a few years for you to really get the, the bug? I think it was... Um, Back in the glory days, I think like 2008 when I was like 14, uh, that was year I won English schools. And I think that's when I was just, uh, thought, oh, this is cool, you know, proper championships with heats and rounds. And I think the year that I won, I think Katie Snowden came second and Alex Bell came third, which just goes to show um, the kind of, you know, calibre, even at that young age, was really good. And I just found that really fun. Um, and so that was when I thought, you know, this is something that maybe I'm good at and something that I'd like to pursue. But obviously a couple of hiccups along the way and ended up dropping it a few times and then coming back to it. Yeah, I'm just on your power of 10 now, Georgia. You run that race there in 209, which for an under 15, most of our listeners will know. To, I mean, 209 at any age, is, is you wouldn't scoff it for 800. But <laughs> for, for, for a girl at 14 years old, that is, that is seriously fast running. When you was at that age and... You know, when, when we're that age and we're, we're doing track races, you, you're racing everywhere, you know, you're doing probably a race a week, sometimes twice a week, maybe a what for Wednesday. Was you ever aware of, I know this might be a bit of a silly question, but like how good you were? Or were you just like a born winner or you were just out there having fun? Like what what, what was your headspace at that time in your life? Yeah, I think, I think uh, with kind of modestly, I thought, oh, this is something that I enjoy because I'm doing well at it. And I'd go into races and think I've got a, a chance of winning this. Like, so from a young age, I kind of knew it was something that I had a bit of a talent with. But then I guess as you get older, that that's a good and a bad thing, I think, because 
if you start young and you you win a lot when you're younger that can be hard as you get older and you don't win as much um whereas people who start the other way maybe and they they know the hard work that has to go into it I think I kind of had to learn that the hard way <laughs> and uh, go the other way so post that sort of era if you like where you're winning your schools sort of 2008 2010 things are going really well as you start to mature as a teenager uh, you know you sort of get towards more uh, the end of your teen years 18 19 etc what what was the sport like for you you know talk us through that experience you mentioned earlier in the conversation you know got a little bit more difficult can you give us a bit more insight into that yeah I think I just um had like a few injuries as everyone does and went from kind of winning English schools so I think to just scraping through to the finals just losing a bit of love for it um and I just think when I went to university I went to Birmingham and that first year I wasn't really running at all um just had kind of stopped competing might do the odd run but just stopped being a runner per se and then picked it up again in my second year of university uh, when I had a friend came up to me at a party and she just said you used to be a really fast 800 runner and I'm moving up from the four to the eight so do you fancy doing some training sessions with me and at the time I just thought ah okay and then it turned out that actually it was Trevor Painter who was her coach he then became my coach um and then after like six months of workouts with him that's when I started to get fast again and ran 203 that summer and that kicked off the process of getting scholarships to the US and getting back into running when you did those six months with with Trevor and sort of like you know going through that time uh grafting again and getting back into a regular schedule and then racing quite fast again Mm -hmm. did it did it feel any different to when you first experienced success or were you experiencing those same sorts of feelings again or did you feel any more pressure because you're a little bit older like what, what was that like for you no I think the pressure was off because it was kind of like I'd, I'd left it I'd kind of almost made peace with the fact that I wasn't a runner again so and I was helping out a friend a bit by doing some training um and that helped because then every session I was just feeling strong getting stronger and stronger and then when we started racing the pbs were just coming so my confidence was like on a good level and i was just having loads of fun with running again um and i think that's when i really got focused again and thought oh this would be great this could open up so many doors for me with you know the next phase of my life i was coming up to graduate from university so i was like what do i want to do it's like i definitely am not ready to become an adult yet <laughs> let's see if we can head over uh, and get a full scholarship somewhere in the US. How difficult was that process of getting a scholarship? Because I know there's so many moving parts. So mm-hmm. it's not just it's not just you can run fast. Um, there's, there's, yeah. there's there's the coach and there's the setup and there's the area of America. How how did that all transpire for you? Yeah, so they have um, a couple of feelers out. I think you um, if you're at that age, you will get people reaching out to you from different universities and there are so many universities in the US and I was getting a couple of requests from places that I wasn't too interested in I did some recruiting trips as well but ultimately I was thinking I want to be somewhere hot because obviously I'm from London and we don't like the cold um and I thought I want to be somewhere pretty cool and so I wanted to be in California 
and I knew about Berkeley and I actually just reached out to them cold and just said here are my times here are my grades like what do you think and they just said yeah hadn't heard of you before didn't know but let's see if we can make something happen and we did so there's a lot of things that you needed to do I had to sit something called a GRE which is like the SATs at um, master's level so there was a bit of education stuff around it as well and a lot of paperwork but yeah there's so many opportunities out there they have so many scholarships available so it's it's something that is every athlete in the UK if they're looking to go abroad should take advantage of. So you said there that if you are an athlete in the UK, you should take the opportunity to, mm-hmm. to to go overseas. Why do you, from your experience, why do you feel that way? Yeah, so it's a, it's a contentious topic. Like I remember when I said to Trevor at the time that I was going, he was a bit like, Oof, like, and I never ran faster than I did in the UK with Trev. So I guess the if you're a really incredible athlete, Um, looking to go to the Olympics, it might not be the right choice for you. But for me, I really wanted to, number one, live somewhere abroad, but also get to experience racing in that way. So the reasons I loved it was because you, you pretty much get treated like a professional athlete. Like you get these amazing kit drops from Nike. You get to travel all around the US to race. The NCAA seems very professional like the stadiums are huge um and that's all just really exciting the downside of it is you kind of are a business deal so where you might have more autonomy in the uk if you're injured or not feeling well to race um over there it's it's kind of like "Mm, well we kind of need you to hop in here and that's where i think it can stop athletes running to their full potential and at the end of the day even though I had a fantastic experience there as I say I never ran faster than I did when I was in the UK and only now am I running faster however many years later. So I don't want to gloss over the scholarship too much because there's so like I say so many things we could discuss about scholarships including you know how the setup was different and and how the coach worked but Mm -hmm. going from a coach like Trevor Painter to and I'll, yeah, if you let us know who the coach is in a second, what was the, because I've, I've spoken to so many athletes that have gone to, to America. Was it a case of you've gone from Trevor Painter, indiv- indiv- you know, really individual coaching, bespoke coaching mm-hmm. to sort of like a group setup, or mm-hmm. was it really tailored? What, what was that like when you was working yeah. as a coach out there? Yeah, so it, you're exactly right. Like they're just big rosters and there's pretty much like a group formula And in general, it's really high mileage, which just didn't work for me. So I got stress fractures both years that I was there. So I was on two years and was in a boot, you know, for periods of time both years. And that didn't work for me. Whereas what works for me and Trevor is that I, in general, have quite low mileage. And and that seems to work even this summer ahead ahead of this podcast. I took a look back at my Strava just to see and... I my think my biggest mileage week of this year has been I think I did one 27 mile week and otherwise it's pretty much bang on between 20 and 25 so that's that has been important for me to not get injured and that I think has been part of the success that I've had this summer so yeah bigger bigger teams lots of athletes over there in the US big mileage doesn't work for athletes like me I think 
So when you went out there, uh, how many miles were you sort of running? And then, you know, what did they, did you arrive? And they were like, right, here's your plan. This is how many miles you've got to run. Yeah, pretty much. So we spoke about it on my recruiting trip. And um, I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing around this mileage. I don't want to increase it too much. And they said, we increase it gradually. But you kind of just, you kind of want to do the workouts. And you know what it's like. You're feeling okay until you're not. And um so I think I was doing between not loads and loads, but 50 and 60, which was probably double what I was doing in the UK. So just too big a jump. Um, not a lot of cross training, which I do a lot of a lot of cross training now. Um, so it was just, I think, a bit too much impact for me. Now, are you still coached by Trevor Painter? Yeah, so I did exactly the same thing as... Um, what I was saying in that second year of uni, I got back in contact with him in January of this year. So I only got back on the track last summer for the first time in who knows how long after doing a decent park run 5k, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll maybe jump back on the track again. And you were actually the commentator, Lloyd, and you you just obviously seem to know, you just know everything. Because I think you said on the... What a loser. The, I think you said something like, ah, oh, Georgia, like... I, this must be the first time she's put on spikes for years and you were uh, bang on. <laughs> I've actually got a funny story that. about that park run. This is, we've never spoken about this, but because <laughs> I'm, because obviously like my job is to be a nerd about running and be yeah. in the know. Um, and Bushy Park Run is my local park run. So when someone yeah. runs fast at Bushy Park, well, it used to be my local park run. Um, when people run fast at Bushy Park, like I'm, I, I know about it, right? Now, yeah. when you ran that park run, someone messaged me saying, Georgia Bell just ran 16 minutes or whatever at park run. And I'm like, Jesus, like, where's she been for like five years? Like, what? And then and then you did, then you did um, the race I commentated and it was just yeah. like, the stars aligned. I was like, yeah, well, that yeah. was a good line for me to say as a commentator. <laughs> no, but it was true. It was, I think one of my friends bought me some spikes because I didn't have any um and and basically yeah so all the racing last year was just me going for runs jumping in with things here and there trying to jump in with the Batsy Tuesday night road sessions and then I just thought you know what if I just get back and if I can get some training some workouts from Trev then let's see what we can do and and yeah I I he obviously knows what he's doing and this summer took like 10 seconds off my 1500 meter PB and like 30 seconds off my 5k so he he knows what he's doing <laughs> he does know his stuff indeed but that period between that park run and when you mm -hmm. come back from america i i don't know about that period what what happened there did you just stop running just yeah to there's not much no really like i completely so i when i left uni um in america i was like i'm really done with this now like i've had so many injuries i've never gone as good as i have when i was a youngster I think I'm just done. So just went into the professional world, you know, thought that running was just something in the past. Um, and then just got back into it over the years, randomly with the odd um, park run here and there. My, my boyfriend at the time, uh, sorry, my boyfriend now actually got me back into it because he just says, um, you know, he was like, you used to be a runner, didn't you? And he kind of didn't think I was very good. And then we went on a run together. And dropped him. Both, yeah, well, I kept trying to drop him. And I, <laughs> and I think we pretty much, and he was like, what the hell? I, I should definitely be able to beat her. And then I, I think it was like a run round tooting. And we 
were just sprinting by the end. I think I even like dipped for the line. <laughs> but, things you um, do. Yeah, <laughs> things you do. And so after that, he was like, right, like get a Garmin, like get Strava, let's just get back into it. And then, yeah, just, just built up, like lockdown happened. So, you know, got got more into to running then like everyone and yeah just came back quite quickly um which was nice so so there was a time where I was fully stopped doing it um and then over the last two years it's really ramped back up again one question I got actually about that time where you just stopped running did you mm-hmm. did you feel any different during that time because the reason why I ask this is because when you've been running as long as we have and you've like that's all you've ever known you're so fit you're so healthy you can just get up and run and not many people can relate to that but then when you do take a sustained amount of time off I know Mm -hmm. some people and even myself if I've been injured you you can just feel a bit sluggish you just feel like a completely different human can you relate to that at all yeah definitely like I just it like I feel like I didn't end it on a happy note anyway with it's not how I thought I would end my athletic career at college, like with the results that I did. So it was already a bit negative, but yeah, even the period of time afterwards, it's like, you kind of think of yourself as a runner, but then you're not a runner anymore because I I wasn't going out on runs. I wasn't racing. And yeah, like physically, mentally did. Yeah. Didn't feel great. Didn't feel great. I wouldn't say it was, you know, the, the time I felt the best about myself for sure. So professionally, wise Georgia you you obviously you're still working nine to five you said that you went out and uh you got a job and, and got on the uh got on the corporate ladder if you like what is it you're doing for work these days yeah so I sell cybersecurity software so I'm one of the good guys saving the world from hackers <laughs> is that what you've always done during this during that time or is yeah, that something is. That you just sort of so, fall into so, yeah so it's what I've always done so when I finished work if when I finished college in Berkeley I went and worked in San Francisco for a year and just fell into tech which I feel really lucky about because it's a huge industry and could have fallen into anything and yeah have worked in the same industry for seven years now um and yeah really enjoy it I find it fascinating and yeah it's an industry that's only going one way so it's cool so now that you're balancing training work Mm -hmm. social life all the other Mm -hmm. sort of stuff what do you like about the balance that you've created for yourself yeah so what I like is what's nice about having a job where you don't rely on running for your income I guess is that the pressure's off so I just go into all races and just see it as such a good opportunity like when I look at a race start and I see that there's some big names on there I get so excited because I just think, oh, great. Like, we have an opportunity to run so fast here today. Um, Whereas, I guess if it's the other way and you're on a shoe deal and, you know, you think you might not win and stuff like that, then that can bring on some nerves and anxiety. So that's the bit about it that is good and that I like. And just mentally, you can switch off from, from running and just see it as an opportunity the bit about it that's bad is obviously I have no time ever, I feel. It's a lot of early mornings and late nights around work days. And luckily I can work from home from some days, which makes a huge difference. Um, but the days where I've got to commute into an office, like I just can't, I just can't train on those days. It's just too difficult. Otherwise you really are just losing sleep and stuff. So yeah, a big balancing act. And this season, you said there, you obviously took, quite a bit off your 1500 meter time 406 the season just gone that ranked you inside the top 10 
in the UK, which for a senior athlete, you know, you look at the sort of caliber of athletes that we've got in there. That's, that's, that's incredible. Did, did that really surpass your expectations? Yeah, definitely. Like if you had shown me the times at the beginning of the season, if you had shown me those times, I would have thought, no way, not a chance. Um, would I be able to run that? And now, um, finishing the season I just felt really excited and thought we're running this off the kind of training we've been doing in just a short period of time it does make you think like what could we achieve and I guess that's the thing that kind of just is always in the back of my head like I've never given it a proper go that kind of experience and I do think what if what could happen if I you know, if I lost my job tomorrow, say, heaven forbid, but like if I then just decided to have two years of going for it, if I can run those times off training at 6am and 8pm, then what could I do if I could go to the gym and do the recovery and nutrition and all the things around it that are the one percenters that make a difference. And then on the flip side, that lifestyle the mindset you're in to graft, to, to grind, when you go to a race and you see it as an exciting opportunity more so than I need to run fast today because my shoe contracts are relying on me, maybe that yeah. is what helps you. Yeah, I do think so. And like even looking into next year and races and I, I just see them as they're going to be so fun and such good opportunities. Like I don't feel like anything I achieve will be, you know, a plus, a benefit. Um, whereas obviously next year with it, there being so many big competitions, Worlds, Indoors, the Olympics, Europeans, all those things, lots of people will be feeling a lot of pressure for those. Whereas for me, I think the pressure's kind of off. Okay, I'm going to ask you a difficult question now. How fast <laughs> would you need to run at the 1500 for you to say, okay, hang on, I'm going to, even though, even though we've just glossed over, you know, all these things that do help me, my you know, my lifestyle, my schedule, my mindset, etc. But if I've just gone and had an incredible race and ran X time, what would that time need to be for you to say, okay, well, maybe we're just going to go for it? Oh, that's a good question. I think just looking at where the sport is, and especially with um, the women in the events that I would maybe be in with the 5K and the 1500, it's so competitive. So I think you'd have to be running sub four for the 1500 to be thinking about that um but I guess maybe if I got really close to it you know mm. next summer then that would be something to think about it would more come down to you know I, I, I've made or I'm I'm on a good career track I think so it's more like what are the options out there for for runners and I know that's one of the things that you talk about like financially maybe not in the place that lots of other sports are what other opportunities out there for supporting those kind of runners? And I just don't think there's that many. No, no, you're right. I think as well, if you think, if you take out a conversation, actually earning money as a runner, so being on a contract that pays you a salary, but actually I think a lot of runners realise too late, you've got to be really savvy to say, right, I'm going to be a professional runner, and but at some point I'm going to retire and then I'm going to need to have some form of career because I'm not retiring mm -hmm. at 55 60 and then just sitting and living on my pension i've got to go and get a job at some some point so yeah. i think that and we'll get onto this that i think there are ways that you can earn money whilst being a professional athlete uh or not a professional athlete um mm -hmm. alongside everything else that you've got going in life where if you ran that time because you're not far off sub four let's be honest you know you you've you it's very much a possibility um 
there are other things that you can you can sort of rely on for income. But one thing I do want to ask is that we've spoken that you do a bit of sp- a bit of cycling now, a bit of duathlon, tried the triathlon as well. How does that work with Trevor? Because I'm always intrigued because I've spoken to Hayden Wild, the yeah. uh, the Kiwi triathlete, and he's coached by a running coach. He yeah. doesn't have a tri coach, and I was trying mm. to get you know I was like, how does that work? Like. And his running yeah. coach is literally just running through and through. So how does it work with you and Trevor when you're like, yeah, I've got to go and jump on the bike and ride around Surrey for an afternoon? Yeah, exactly. So he, I've got the same setup then as Sam's as Hayden Wild. So I, I just have my coaching through Trev and he sets that for running. But he puts, he doesn't set me cycling workouts, but he'll put in days where I'm cycling. So I, when I contact him again in January I said look I'm doing a lot of cycling I think it's really been really good for me for where my fitness is now and keeping me not it stopping me from getting injured so I want to keep it so he just puts into my plan days that I cycle or days that I'll do a Zwift and I just have to let him know um if I'm doing crazy races like this summer I was did a stage of one of the stages they did in the Tour de France, you can do it as like a fun race one day. I was like, look, I'm probably not going to be able to do much running around these days because my legs will be dead. (laughs) So you kind of factor it in a bit. But otherwise, I just have a group that I go out with and cycle in London. And um, some days we'll do hard cycles. Some days we'll do easy ones. But yeah, I don't have um, any plan that I follow for cycling yet. God, Trevor must pull his hair out sometimes. Honestly, he must. He must be like, oh my god, yeah, just going to do a Tour de France stage. It's all right. I had a workout plan tomorrow, Georgia, but it's fine. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, yeah, as we get closer to, um, I think we're going to target some indoor races actually this year. So I think that cycling is going to take a back seat. Anything because you know, out when you're out on the bike, you can end up doing really hilly rides, which wreck your legs so we'll just have to be careful about some of those and obviously there's always a risk that you can get knocked off your bike and stuff so just be a little being a little bit more careful on the london streets as we get close to some races so the actual the form of duathlon competitive racing Mm -hmm. what what made you make that jump obviously you were doing the running you were doing some cycling which was helping your running did you just think Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have a crack it and see how good i am yeah, pretty much. Like, um, I do a lot of cycling in Richmond Park just because it's one of the big parks in London. And I just saw that they were doing a duathlon and I was like, what the hell is a duathlon? And then read into it that it was like a 10k run, 44k cycle and a 5k run. And I thought, I'll have the I'll have the running down. Let's see how I can do on the cycling. And just went really well. Um, won that race as kind of like my first race at it and then realized that there's this whole series of racing across the world and stuff for duathlon as an event um and actually it's quite cool because a lot of the former runners have got into it so people like emma pallant brown um who was a big old shot athlete Mm. back in the day she's now like she won the professional race in ibiza that i did in the age group level so and obviously people like Beth Potter moving towards triathlon. Um, it just goes to show that like it can translate quite well. Cycling is something that if you're a good athlete elsewhere, it's quite a good one to pick up. It, it translates quite nicely. Yeah, I've been following Emma for years. And um, mm-hmm. when they when athletes step outside the running scene, you think, oh, like I'm not going to, I might not see them again. You know, I might not see them ever do anything in the, in this in sport but yeah Emma's a great example of literally world class in her own yeah. right 
um, along Lucy athletes, Charles. yeah, like Beth Potter, even like Lucy Charles Barkley, like great runners. Even when they step on the line, they can still they can still hold their own, if not win. It's I know it's, it's annoying for us runners. <laughs> I know it is. It's really cool to see that, and I think it's one of the things that's kept me engaged with running as well because it's a bit of a novelty. Like if you start running when you're eleven like and doing doing the same races like for me now getting back on the track and doing the 1500 it's it I still enjoy it but having being able to bring in cycling and aiming for something slightly new racing a bit out of my comfort zone it's brought a whole new novelty to it which I think is just good to keep your love in sport because otherwise it can get a bit repetitive so let's talk goals Georgia um what do you want to achieve with your running that's the first question. Yeah, it's it's hard to put it to a specific outcome. I think for right now, I'm just want to see how fast I can go, how that translates into championships and stuff like that. We'll see. I really regret not doing British champs in the summer. At the beginning, when me and Trev spoke, he said, "Oh, we should aim for." British champs this summer and I thought no no I'm not interested in in doing anything like that I just want to see how fast I can go and then looking back I think oh, well the, the times that I ran I probably could have been competitive in the 5k and the 15 so that seems like a bit of a missed opportunity um but for right now I am doing a couple of races throughout the winter so I'm doing the Telford 10k um in December which 10k looks, yeah I know wow <laughs> long but I think everyone seems to run really fast there so and it looks like a really good lineup so I'm hoping I can get a PB my PB at the moment for 10k is my first leg of the duathlon so surely <laughs> surely if I can uh, run it flat I've got some some wiggle room there um and then actually looking at targeting some racing in indoors so it'll be so many years since I've raced indoors but I just I'm kind of thinking that with it being an Olympic year next year lots of people will be looking to peak in the summer um and that might open up an interesting opportunity for people like me who are not going to be going to the Olympics but could take advantage of some of those British champs indoors and some of those more competitive indoor races where maybe some people might sit out because they've waited four years for for Paris yeah, I think that's a really mature outlook for that indoor season. I think that athletes like yourself, um, and what I mean by that, and I mean this, I mean this with the greatest respect. But I think our, as long as this year goes well, I think that a lot more athletes will be aware of you. But I think that like you're coming in as almost coming in under the radar with mm. all this speed. I think you can catch people unaware. Some and and if they don't want to go to the champs or prioritize it, then ultimately you can only be who's there and and. And, and if you podium we do well then that's great right that's great leading into the summer yeah definitely it's nice to be the underdog <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and that's always a good story so that's, i love that so so we, we spoke about this earlier in the conversation about the fact that you're on a really strong career trajectory at the moment you know you've got your job nailed down you've worked hard and, and all of that's going on which is great and if you mm-hmm. were to make the jump and sort of leap of that faith to be a professional athlete what would that mean for income uh, career prospects etc but we as we know in this world there are more than one ways to make money now as an athlete and i've seen that you're not just 
um, active on social media. I've seen that you've done things like um, commercial modeling shoots with Forte. Um, do you want to talk us a little bit about those opportunities and how they came about? And ultimately, for, for someone like that doesn't understand how all that works, how, how does that work for you? Yeah, so um, Forte is a sports modeling agency that one of the former runners set up. So um, Dale, you might know him, he is Reve's coach and partner. Um, and he, Reve Walcott Nolan, Olympian. Um, and he essentially just set, set up the sports modeling business and it's, it's going really well. And so I'm one of the uh, part of the agency. Um, it's great to be part of it. It's just can be really random the work though. So it's not something that you, that I would necessarily want to rely on just because it is so sporadic. Um, and you're right, there are other ways for people to earn money. I think some people in the sport who have been really savvy about that, people like Philly Bowden, who have just got these streaming channels and posting more and doing YouTubing. And it's actually something that I think is really needed to get people more interested in runners and get more exposure into the sport. Lots of other sports have athletes that, for whatever re reason, are much more active on YouTube and that helps build fans. And I think that is kind of something that's missing in athletics at the moment and something that people should take advantage of. Yeah, we, I say it all the time. I've spoken publicly about this. Like, I think that the way that the only, re the only way it's going to change where people not just market themselves a little bit more, but are willing to pull themselves out of their comfort zone is when they actually understand how much money there is to be earned. Mm -hmm. Athletics is always talking about, it's always spoken about as a sport that's got no money. But there's mm -hmm. loads of people in it earning lots of money. So there must be some money somewhere. Yeah. And in, in terms of Philly, I remember Philly messaging me once. She did, um, I think she'd either done the job or she was going to do a job for a retailer. And she messaged me and she said, oh, I've seen that. This was like years ago before she'd started YouTube and stuff. And she said, oh, I've seen that you've done some work with this retailer. I don't know how much to charge for it. Um, but, you know, what, you know, what would you do? So I was like, well, you know, figure out how long you're going to be there, what you got to do, blah, 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 all that. Logistics yeah. are getting there. She came back to me and, they, and she said, oh, they've offered me this. Now, the fee that they'd offered, well, I think they'd offered about 250 quid. And I said to her, I was like, well, for what you've got to do, it's probably three times that. And I think that conversation for her at that time highlighted that, that there's money out there. Like these people will pay you to do a job if you're good at your job. And then mm -hmm. if you then go on and elevate yourself, and market yourself in the right way brands retailers companies they want to jump on that because ultimately that they, they need someone to, to be that bridge between the consumer and whatever they're selling right yeah so true i mean that's like with the brands coming to you but when i speak to my friends and i say you know speak about anything to do with athletics even people that i think they'll for sure know like jacob and britson they just don't know mm. and i think that people want to be connected the way that you are going to get more fans in the sport and ultimately more money in the sport and ultimately more of those retailers like the ones that reached out to the Philly more of those people doing that is by having the average person connect with those athletes and that's what I think is missing at the moment it can be pushed from the athlete themselves but it also should be pushed I think from brands from UK athletics British athletics and it's just not really being done. I don't see it anywhere. Yeah, there's a big 
news story at the moment in the media, we reported about it the other day, that um, in the mix zone, so so, so at a meeting, a uh, global meeting, say like a diamond league, you'll have oh, yeah, your world media yeah. and then you'll have your mix zone and then that's it. So yeah, content creators now will have a lounge. Now, I think this is really cool because it will give content creators a space to create content, obviously, but just mm-hmm. flourish and then it will give journalists their opportunity to do their thing. But let's just imagine you just run a London Diamond League, you run 401, you're buzzing, but you're knackered. And you have to talk to BBC, then you come through and you have to talk to Athletics Weekly um, and three or four others. And at that point, you're like, right, I just want to go cool down now. And mm-hmm. then you have the opportunity to walk through the Creator Lounge or swerve it. I just know that a lot of runners and a lot of athletes are just going to swerve that and they're probably not going to get what the coverage they could. And that I think that's where they could butt heads a little bit. Maybe there should just be a thing where they come back later. You know how, like in lots of other sports, they clean up and then come back. Maybe that's where you could they could come to the creator lounge just before they get their medal ceremonies or something. I don't know. Yeah, I hope so. I just, I think, I think it's important because I think that both serve a purpose. They're the two different audiences. Ultimately, they can cross mm-hmm. over, but content creators are able to create so many different types of media very quickly that can just reach unlimited unlimited and uncapped potential whereas journalists Definitely. journalists audience are ultimately their their current audience that that's mm-hmm. it isn't it people that read that paper they read that forum or that blog or whatever that that's it so it's capped mm-hmm. um anyway we could probably have a podcast episode about that alone right <laughs> yeah for sure so moving on you said about your mileage being quite low and you supplement a lot of it with with uh, cycling, etc. Can you run us through what a standard training week looks like for you right now? Yeah, so it's probably around 25 miles of running a week and maybe 100 miles of cycling. So Monday is usually uh, an easy run um, and maybe some light weights as well. Um, Tuesday will be a easy cycle in the morning and then a session down at Battersea in the park. So like a road session, which is my highest volume of running for the week. It's usually like a 10 mile, um, session with warm down and warm up Wednesday, easy run, um, and a cycle Thursday is usually the day I'm in the office. So I have that as a rest day, um, and then Friday, we'll do an easy run and a cycle. And then on Saturday, I'll do a track workout. And then Sunday, I'll do a big cycle. So that's kind of what the breakdown looks like. But that, to me, sounds very... If you if you was to replace those those bike rides with, with running, it, it's ultimately the same, isn't it? You know, your long bike ride is like your long run and your other rides are mm-hmm. like your recovery runs, building that mileage. Do you... Yeah. Do you ever get it? I mean, you're you're obviously very experienced on the bike now, but was there ever a time where you used to, I don't know, get a training day wrong on the bike? Like maybe go to a hilly route and then the next day you go run and you just cooked? Yeah, definitely. So like I had it last week actually where I just messed it up. Like I had, for some reason, I did a really hard cycle and a track workout on the same day. And the next day I pretty much was immobile just couldn't walk (laughs) yeah and I was just like then it took me like two days to recover from that um and yeah sometimes it it can happen like that for sure it's I guess I just try and make sure I have a balance of the 
three intense days a week, like higher intensity and the rest like super easy. Um, and I just need to make sure that I get that balance right. Have you had to change your training at all in line with Telford 10K coming up? Like, have your sessions changed at all or are you just going to be as quick as you can on the day? I'm just going to hold on for dear life, I think. Um, there's a few fast people that I'm hoping to hold on to. But yeah, I am doing a little bit more um, endurance uh, stuff. So trying to just add in those extra sets um, to just get a bit more mileage in. I'm actually heading out though to South Africa a week today, so I'm hoping I get a couple oh, of nice. And that's games. all right for some that. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be I'll be doing training out there for about ten days, and then uh, Telford is a couple of days later. So I'm hoping I'm feeling fresh off that. We'll see. I don't. I, it's always a difficult one because I don't want to get injured. I'm really conscious of that because of the number of injuries I've had in the past, and they've all been related to upping the mileage and right now I, I think I could up my mileage a bit but the priority is staying healthy as well but with a coach like Trevor who obviously has a lot of years of coaching you under his belt you know you've got a good relationship with him you know what works for you um gotta sound like a coach um <laughs> do do what works for you I guess and and I'm ultimately I, I'm confident that you and Trevor are gonna gonna get that right but will this be your first time at altitude in South Africa no, I actually went, um, I went, gosh, now it makes me sound old. I went nearly nine years ago. So I've gone to this camp before um, okay. and I've done a, a couple of camps, but it will be the first time in a while. Um, yeah, but last time it went really well. And I remember I was feeling, I nearly didn't go last time. I had a bit of an injury, wasn't feeling my best, went there, felt amazing ran really well and then ran well on the way back so I'm just gonna manifest that and hope it happens again yeah bodes well it bodes well so outside of the sport Georgia are you or sorry do you have any other passions so any hobbies anything you love doing no I'm actually so boring outside everyone of says this no... <laughs> all runners are like no... nah do nothing I just have no time Lloyd like I literally will just when I'm back from training I love sleeping. I know that's so lame, but I'm, I As will sleep. Yeah, I can I say it's my passion? I don't know. I, I, I get a lot of sleep. So outside of, there, there's just not enough hours in the day. I will say I'm, the only interesting thing I've got going on in my life at the moment, apart from running, is I'm in a bake-off sweepstake at the moment. So you're assigned to a character in the Great British Bake Off, and uh, when they go out, you have to bake something that they have baked that week for the other people in the team. And so, who have you got? So I had um, Dana and uh, Nikki. So I've I did a double bake a few weeks ago. I had to make a ginger and to chocolate tort and a lemon and thyme drizzle. How did it go? smashed the tort which is the harder one and completely screwed up the lemon drizzle which apparently is impossible to do but I did it so so you get it all on this podcast listeners you get baked goods <laughs> and running chat alongside a few other little nuggets but uh, if anyone needs some advice on how to make the perfect tort please do reach out to Georgia in the future anyhow um so final few questions Georgia are we, we sort of um took this role on earlier on in the conversation when we started talking about mm -hmm. um reaching new audiences etc we asked these 
final questions to all of our guests. Now, let's imagine UK Athletics get on the phone and they say, right, Georgia, you're the new CEO. And we don't have any money because we're skint, because that's true. <laughs> what would be the first three things that you would do in that role? So you don't have any money to play with? Well, no, you have some money, but like if you was to predict how much money UK Athletics had, I mean, it's quite public knowledge, but you don't got a lot, but you've got, you got a fiver. Yeah. Well, I just think that for a start, you need to make the athletes race more. I think that would be interesting to have some kind of league that makes sure that you're going to have fans that are seeing athletes more. And then for those guaranteed races, make them fun. So a couple of weeks ago, I went to um, a cycling indoor race at Lee Valley and it had DJs, it had lights and it was a Friday night and it was just such a fun evening. They need to put on track races where it's the same thing, like have big screens up, have snippets of athletes coming up that you're about to see, like in a profile on Keeley, like a few facts about her something like that and then have her come out things that are going to grow that engagement and make people say friday night can't wait to be there at this track to see that it's going to be great yeah i like that that's a that, that's a good one athletics canada actually announced today that they they've got their own track and field tour they did it last year as like a pilot and then they're bringing it back this year and yeah they're basically like Imagine like six or seven comeback 5,000s like all around the, the country where the best athletes go and race. And obviously there's great world ranking points and prize money and stuff. But I think that that's a really good good point. Like when the best athletes are there, it, it's better viewing. Like it's simple, isn't it? Like the best, the best of Britain is always great watched, great watched. So hopefully, hopefully that can happen. And if it's more reliable, then more people are likely to get into it. Like... If it's just you don't know who's going to be racing, that really informs whether you are likely to buy a ticket. And I know people can get injured and pull out and stuff, but if I think it would be interesting to have some kind of league where you're more likely to see your athletes. Or if they try to do a team thing like they're doing in Super League Triathlon where you've got like the Sharks. So Jakob was on a team with Keeley and a few other athletes and, you know, that. You, you get a team that you support. But I do think ultimately people care most about the athletes themselves, the individuals, and it's making sure that you can connect the average person with getting to know the athlete. That will build more people being excited to watch them race. Agreed. So that's the first one. What are the other two things you'd do? So I guess just on the aspect of growing to know the athlete, having something that was a channel to give more exposure back so if there was have you heard of um global cycling network gcn as a channel of course i have yeah when i got into cycling i was straight on there like how do i clip in my shoes (laughs) (laughs) so they had so many videos just on everything but they film workouts they film like profiles on athletes and there could be i mean what you are doing in the sport is great and what people like philly are doing is great but just having something that's like the central go-to thing that's giving you all the up-to-date news on running that are just constantly putting out videos every week. And again, having that feedback into the athletes. So whether that's British Athletics doing that or 
track star, whatever it is, just something that is constantly pumping out content of athletes every couple of days. You need something like that to get people engaged. Yeah, that is, um, yeah, I think it's, I, I when I hear these suggestions, and I've heard so many of them now, and a lot of them are all similar in the way, you know, we want more exposure, we want to do this, we want to do that. Mm-hmm. I always feel bad because the first thing I think is, well, that's not that difficult. That's really simple. But mm-hmm. it's just logistics, i.e. needs a bit of budget or it needs the right team, but the people are out there, the money's out there. Um, it can happen. It can happen. You're right. I mean, look at Philly's channel. She literally has blown up. She's got 40 odd thousand subscribers there's 40 odd thousand people that love yeah. running that that want to watch her and i guarantee that out of those 40 odd thousand people like how many of those are buying a ticket to british champs probably one percent if that yeah yeah exactly so i'm i'm sure there are i'm sure it's harder than it sounds but also it's just got to be done to just get more people into the sport and last one last suggestion or last thing you do um, I guess the last one would just be around having that team element. So having having a, a set team for athletes as part of this league, I think the, the combination of those three would be cool and make it feel a bit more like a sport, the way how you get huge, dedicated fans in you know, football, basketball. I'm not saying it will ever get to that point, but you need to add a more team element to something that ultimately is quite individual with running. So if you was drafted to a team, let's say the... Mm-hmm. Clapham Sharks create a team and you can be put on that roster with two athletes from around the world who yeah. would you want to be on a team with just from what you think they're like as people Ooh. just for just for running yeah just for track anything anything any, anything really um track and field track and field okay I this will be a controversial one, but I think that Jakob is just like awesome for the sport and really cool. And it would just be cool to have a lineup where Jakob's on the team. Um, so I'm going to throw him in. And then for, I'd, I'd probably go Sydney McLaughlin as well. If I could be mm. on a lineup with, with those Good two. Team. Good team. Yeah. That's a fire team. team. There's, there's a lot of budget in that team. Yeah. <laughs> They're bringing a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, that's the Chelsea of um, track teams. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. So to finish off the interview, Georgia, we're going to hit you with the quick fire round. Now, I didn't send you these questions because I don't send any of our guests them. And I want oh, you I to just say the first thing that comes into your mind. Okay? okay. So let's imagine that you have a magic wand. So what is one thing that you change in athletics? Ooh. Um. I'd get rid of the all the dead time at track beats where nothing's going on. Yeah, I like that. Hardcore racing or entertainment in between with DJs, lights, acts, something. Yep, I love that. Next question is, what is the best thing about working in the corporate world? <laughs> the money. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the worst thing the The people (laughs) (laughs) the the having to train in pitch black most of the time at night 
Yeah, fair. That's a, that's a that's a tough one to take. Okay, what is a harsh truth that the running world needs to hear? If you are a professional athlete and you want to earn more money in your sport, then you need to race more so more people get into it. I think people will be precious about how much they want to race. And I get it because they want to peak for certain events. But I think there just needs to be way more racing happening all throughout the year. We've never had that one. That's a good one. I like that. And to finish off, on or off the track in 10 years time, what's one thing that you would have liked to achieve in your life? Um, I'd like to... I'd like to maybe race at the professionals in the duathlon. So I've, I've won the age group, which was really cool this summer in Ibiza. But if I could qualify to actually race in the professionals and toe the line with people like Emma Pallant-Brown and stuff, I think if I got that approval from British Triathlon, that would be really cool. So that would be a big achievement. So from where you've won that race in Ibiza, what are the rough steps to get to get to that level i've my times are good i basically have to sharpen up my transitions which are very bad (laughs) (laughs) and um then it gets i have to make a case to british triathlon basically and they review it and they'll decide so there are a few races next year so i'm in consideration at the moment so if i could make that um that would be a that would be i guess the closest thing that i've done to being a professional athlete so, so you make a case to them and then they, do they basically give you professional status or do they pick you for a race? They pick you for a race, but you would be like in the professional race and can win prize money and race against all the pros who do it for a full living, not outside the nine to five. So, Love that. That's amazing. And what a way to end. Georgia, that's been a great chat. I really do appreciate you jumping on today. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, it's been great. And best of luck at Telford 10K and enjoy South Africa. I hope it's not too sunny. <laughs> Thank you. I will. Take care. All right. See you around. See ya. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week for another episode of the Trackster podcast where we talk all things running, the highs, the lows, the ugly bits, and of course, everything in between big thank you to our guest georgia for a time on the show today and if you have enjoyed today's episode please do leave us a review and head over to our instagram at trackster to keep up to everything that we are up to now i've been lloyd your host for the day i'll catch you down the road for a chat and a run but in the meantime have a good week